Welcome, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Jesus Christ our Lord. This is Brother Jimmy Fortunato, and you're listening to a sermon from the Pilgrim Baptist Church in Tennessee. For more information about our church, please visit us on the web at pilgrimbaptist.church. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. We'll begin reading at verse number 1. The Bible says, 1 Samuel chapter 17, Now the Philistines gathered together their armies to battle, and were gathered together at Shaka, which belongeth to Judah, and pitched between Shaka and Azekah and Ephesdamon. And Saul and the men of Israel were gathered together and pitched by the valley of Elah, and set the battle in array against the Philistines. Philistines stood on a mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on a mountain on the other side, and there was a valley between them. There went out a champion of the camp of the Philistines named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. Now a cubit, if you ever wonder what a cubit is, you go like this and you measure from your elbow tip to the middle fingertip, that's a cubit. And what's a span? Well, if you go like this, doesn't really mean hang, I guess it means hang loose now. But this is a span. This is how they measured a span. The length from here to here was a span. And verse number five, he had a helmet of brass upon his head and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of brass. He had greaves of brass upon his legs. Well, what's greaves? Well, greaves of brass, it was basically like a, well, like a boot for the leg that they had around the leg to protect the leg. So that's what the word greaves of brass upon his legs and a target of brass between his shoulders. And the staff of the spear was like a weaver's beam and his spearhead weighs 600 shekels of iron and one bearing a shield went before him. And he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel and said unto them, why are you come out to set your battle in array? When you see array, it just means arrangement, array, arrangement, set the battle in order. So that's what the word array means. Am not I a Philistine and ye servants to Saul? Choose you a man for you and let him come down to me. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, help me tell the truth from your word. Help your saints be edified by the proclamation of your holy Bible. In Jesus Christ's name, we do ask your blessing upon all your saints this morning. Amen. Amen. All right, we're going to look at a few different things this morning. One, we have a clear physical difference between David and Goliath, right? That can't be denied. Goliath stands as a champion Philistine. David, he's just a youth. He's ruddy and of a fair countenance. We can see, clearly see that difference. Goliath, six cubits in a span. And what do we have with David? Just the appearance of someone whose face is just honest and proper. He didn't look very tall. He didn't have this overwhelming appearance. Goliath, he wasn't like the ordinary soldiers and he didn't fight in the ranks like the ordinary soldiers. He's there to challenge the mightiest man and fight him. You see that difference? If you were to look at that and say, who's going to win? Everybody's putting their money on Goliath. Nobody's betting on little David. So there's the physical difference and the odds... Everybody saw the odds as stacked against David. Nobody wanted to go against Goliath. They're going to settle the dispute in a single combat fight. Well, for one, that would spare a lot of bloodshed on both sides. So that's what they're going to do. Nobody wants to fight Goliath, though. And David ends up deciding, I don't want any armor. All I want is five stones and a sling. Well, this is just a suicide match. He can't win. 
Now, David is supposed to be the underdog. But is he? That's the question we're going to answer this morning. I don't believe David ever was the underdog, and I don't think David, not for a minute, believed he was the underdog. Why? Because he's got God, and he trusted God. David's a kid, Goliath's a grown man. David's a shepherd, Goliath is an experienced warrior. David's got a sling and five stones, and Goliath has modern weaponry. And everybody's saying, why David? But David's not thinking that. Because David is 100% tuned into God. And I'm submitting to you, that's where we need to be. All of us living our lives 100% tuned in to God and trusting God. The odds are against David, but are they? Now, if there's any military men here, you know this. There's three types to battle, right? There's infantry, which are your foot soldiers, which is what Goliath is. That's why you see, look at the verse 8, the end of the verse. What does he say? Choose you a man for you and let him do what? It says, let him come down to me. What does Goliath want? He wants hand to hand. He's He's infantry. He's a foot soldier. He wants to fight hand to hand. That's how he wants to attack. And then you have cavalry. So you have your infantry, you have cavalry, which is the folks on horseback. And then you had artillery. Now what was artillery? Archers? Slingers. And you know what David was? A slinger. Archers, gunners, and slingers. And David's not coming in with, you know, the little slingshot that he might win at earn at Sunday school from the Sunday school teacher from memorizing his Bible verse. <laughs> this isn't a little Walmart sl- sling. He's a slinger. That's who David is, and that's what he's going to battle with. Now, slingers, a good slinger, they were known to have better accuracy than even archers. Matter of fact, there's slingers from the Balearic Islands that would actually withhold food from their children until they hit a piece of bread off of a stick. They're serious about their craft. They're serious about their art. And some say it has the stopping power, a good slinger would have the stopping power of a forty-four Magnum. David is a slinger. And David is ready to go to battle with Goliath. Goliath isn't what he seems to be, and I believe that David knew it. David knew it. Goliath never stood a chance. But everybody looking at the situation would say, that kid doesn't stand a chance. Except that kid. Who's ready to go out against all the advice given to him No matter what the critics say, David says, all I need is God, five stones and a sling, and cut me loose. Because David isn't what he, because Goliath isn't what he appears to be. And David knew it. Now, let's keep reading. Because we have the fear factors that come into all of our lives. Anybody here ever get afraid? I've been afraid. I'm sure you have been afraid. Verse number eight, we'll pick it back up at. The Bible says, and he stood and cried unto the armies of Israel, and said unto them, Why are you come out to set your battle in array? Am I, am not I a Philistine, and you servants to Saul? Choose ye a man for you, and let him come down to me. If he be able to fight with me and to kill me, then will we be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then shall ye be our servants and serve us. And the Philistine said, I defy the armies of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and all Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. 
No one that is that afraid of Goliath could do any good. None of us. We try to face life and we're just scared to death are going to have success. The fear factors set into all of our lives. You have two meanings of fear. Forget everything and run. Or face everything and rise. This is never going to work. Run. I'll never get through this. <laughs> run. This is too hard. Run. The odds are against us. Run. I'm having a problem. Run. Fear sets in and what do we do? We run. Or just eat it. Face it and rise. And David's ready to do that. But how is he able to face it and rise? With God's help. He's not going on his own strength. And if you and I go on our own strength, fear takes over and we can't function. If we sincerely go to the Lord and try to move forward with His help and His guidance and His strength, then we can do something great for God. And we're going to see that with a, with a kid. Do something great for God. Alright. We make the choice. People say, I can is more important than IQ. <laughs> but, you know what's better than I can? I can with God. I can, Lord willing. I can, Lord, help me. That's why we have prayer benches. You don't see this much in churches nowadays. Instead, you've got the lights are dimmed and the smoke comes up and the rock band plays and the is this a church or a, hall, or a dance hall? Is this a church or a bar? It's a church. You know what we do at church? We preach the Bible. We learn the Bible. We pray. And David's keyed in and tuned into God. He's trusting in God. And he doesn't need a light show. He doesn't need fancy armor. He doesn't need any of these things that get him stirred up in his heart. He has his heart tuned into God. And you know what you do? Take all these mick churches and take away all this rock music. Take away all the dancing girls. Take away all the... They don't even have a, 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 a pulpit anymore. It's a stage. Take it all away and see who comes next week. That would be less than half. Because they need outside things to stir up their heart for God. And David says, I don't need none of it. I trust God, give me my sling, give me five stones, and I'm trusting God. You want to do something for the Lord? Trust God. You want Him to see you through a problem? Trust God. That's all David did. Goliath says twice in this passage, give me a man to fight. We have to be willing to do what others are afraid to do. We have to be willing to do what we're afraid to do. Everybody has something in their life. Oh, I just, you got to ask yourself are your fears bigger than you? Or are you with God's help and God's guidance and Lord willing, are you bigger than your fear? Courage isn't facing something that you know you can see yourself through and win. The 10-year-old who plays checkers with his 4-year-old sister isn't showing courage. <laughs> he knows he's going to win. The 200-pound wrestler that fights the 130-pounder He's not really showing courage. You get what we're saying? You flip-flop that. Who's at, who's at the odds? 130-pounder. Now that's the guy that's showing some courage. He's got a fear, but he's moving forward. He's trusting God. That's what David does. That's what David does. 
Somebody said you can't swim for New Horizons until you have the carriage to lose sight of the shore. <laughs> I mean, that's some good truth to that. We always know we can get back. Something to think about. Alright, let's get back into the Bible. First Samuel chapter number... Uh, uh, I'm sorry, verse number... Verse number 12. What's the Bible say? Now David was the son of that Ephrathite of Bethlehem Judah, whose name was Jesse, and he had eight sons. Man went among men for an old man in his days of Saul. The three eldest sons of Jesse went and followed Saul to the battle. The name of his three sons that went to the battle were Eliab the firstborn, next Abinadab, and the third Shaman. David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went and returned from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. Philistine drew near morning and evening and presented himself forty days, and Jesse said unto David his son, Now take for thy brethren Ephah this parched corn. And that was just a dry measurement that was equal to about a bushel. So he was probably carrying about 40 to 50 pounds. It's pretty good. It's pretty good. And these ten loaves, and run to the camp to thy brethren. Keep reading. And carry these ten cheeses unto the captain over their thousand. And look how thy brethren fare, and take their pledge. Now Saul and they, and all the men of Israel, were in the valley of Elah, fighting with the Philistines. And David rose up early in the morning, left the sheep of the keeper, and took and went, and Jesse had commanded him. He came to the trench. The host was going forth to fight. Shouted for the battle. For Israel and the Philistines has put the battle in array. Army against army. David left his carriage in the hand of the keeper, the carriage, and ran into the army and came and saluted his brethren. Okay, let's stop right there. Let's say this. Each discipline affects the next discipline. What do you mean by that? Look at the passage. Have your eyes glance down. What is David? David's the youngest. What's David doing? He's feeding his father's sheep. Oh, Dad, do I really got to go out and feed the sheep? Do I really go out? Do I really have to go out and tend to the sheep? What's he doing? He's doing something simple. You say, how in the world would that get David ready for battle? He's doing something simple. He's following commands. He's following orders. And then guess what? Now he's carrying parched corn. Ten loaves. He's running to the camp to thy brethren. He's not slack about this. He's not taking any of his farm chores for granted. He's serious about it. Because each discipline affects the next. You work hard as a young boy, you're going to work hard as a young man. You're lazy as a young woman, you're going to be lazy as a, an older woman. Each discipline affects the next. We see a bit of David's growth here. Another thing he did, look. He rose up early in the morning. Yeah, I'm ready to trust God. I'm ready to believe God. I'm ready to, you know, I'm ready to storm hell with a water gun. I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. Or, well, you slept till one. What do you mean you're ready to go? <laughs> Get up. Rise up early in the morning. There's farm chores, chores to do. There's sheep to be tended to. There's cheese to carry. I don't want to do any of that. Okay, well, everybody wants the big top. Everybody wants the big time. Nobody's wanting to carry cheese. God says, you see a principle laid out here. Tend to the sheep. Carry some stuff. Get up early in the morning. And then look what it says. As Jesse had begged him, as Jesse had argued with him, as Jesse had debated, no, it doesn't say any of that. As Jesse had what? Commanded him. David is able to follow commands. Well, I just don't believe, I just don't believe that that's what God meant when he said that. 
well, it's pretty crystal clear what you read and you just don't want to believe it. Why? Because you don't want to be commanded by anybody. <laughs> the culture is completely flipped upside down. When Pastor Galt started pastoring, as to when I'm starting out, it's completely flipped. People don't care about the Bible. They don't want to hear anything about what the Bible says. They want to know, do I get free food and is there a rock band? And if you can't provide those two things, they're gone. They're done. They don't want to talk about the Bible. Nothing. Now you go back 40, 50 years, I'm sure most of you can attest to, you know, maybe you didn't vote. Maybe... Maybe church A and church B didn't believe the same doctrine, but at least they were arguing doctrine. At least they believed that there was a creator God that we should serve. Now, what's doctrine? That's where we're at. Each discipline affects the next. David, he lived that. Now let's look at David's perspective. Because he sees a great opportunity here. And in David's mind, it's no problem. Let's go to verse number 25. 1 Samuel chapter number 17. Verse number 25. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man that has come up? Surely, to defy Israel as he come up. And it shall be that the man who killeth him, the king will enrich him with great riches and will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. Ooh. Everybody wants... Every tough guy or every guy that thinks he's tough, he wants the girl. <laughs> he wants a pretty girl as the prize. David didn't have his sights on that. Look at all of the stuff. He's not doing it for prize money. He's not doing it for anything but serving God. And here's the thing people don't get. God has rich spiritual blessings for all of us. He does. Every single one of us that is saved and born again, He has abundant spiritual blessings for us. But here's how American Christianity thinks. If I can't see the end, I'm not going to move forward. So what do we do? We dangle carrots in front of people. And we say, if you do this, I'll give you X. And we've gotten to this phase where not only do we train our children this way, we train, we train our church members this way, we train our society this way. You push the pleasure button, you give somebody enough pleasure, they'll do it. Or you push the pain button, you cause them enough pain and they won't do it. None of that's happening with David. He's going to be blessed by God because God is great and God is good. He's not going into it for prize money. There's no carrot to dangle in front of David for him to be convinced that he has to move forward. And there shouldn't be for us. Well, how are you going to get kids in here? With the Word of God. <laughs> how are you going to keep kids in here? We're going to teach them the Bible. Are you going to have activities for them? You know, like water slides and pretzels the clown. And well, do we need to bait them with that? Or can we just offer them someone that loves the Lord, that wants to teach them to live a pure life and a holy life and a righteous life? And then maybe afterwards we'll go out and get some pizza. Why does the pizza party have to be the main draw? Oh, I know what we could do. 
we can get some secular movies and we can play them and it will be a big screen and you can invite your friends and they can come to church. And at the end, we'll just slip in a little Jesus and kind of let him know that he loves them. Why does the movie have to be the big draw? Why can't Jesus Christ, the Son of God, be the draw? Why aren't we drawing people to the cross? David didn't need any of that. He didn't need it. He didn't want it. He didn't try to slip it in and talk people into it. He just wanted to trust God. And that's what we need to learn. All of us. You faced with a difficult situation. We see how real our faith is. All right. Everybody good? If you're good, say amen. Amen. All right. Good, good, good. Now, we can't listen to critics because critics are going to show up. Good old Eliab and Saul. Let's continue reading at verse number 27. The Bible says, And the people answered him after this manner, saying, So shall it be done to the man that killeth him, and Eliab, his eldest brother, heard when he spake unto the men. And Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why camest thou down hither? And with whom hast thou left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know thy pride and the naughtiness of thine heart. For thou art come down that thou mightest see the battle. And David said, What have I now done? Is there not a cause? And he turned from him toward another and spake after the same manner. And the people answered him again after the former manner. And when the words were heard which David spake, they rehearsed them before Saul. And he sent for him. Now check this out. And David said to Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Thy servant will go and fight with this Philistine. And Saul said to David, Thou art not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. For thou art but a youth, and he a man of war from his youth. Now I'm sure both parties were concerned about David. But you got Eliab and Saul as the critics. Now I'm telling you, dads do this all the time. I told you, my wife and I, we already raised two kids, now we're raising two more. And I know, one of the mistakes I made is I would say, and we, we do this as dads. We do this as moms. Now you're not ready. The boy's ready. And when I don't cut him loose to do something that's in his heart to do, you know what that does? It causes and creates this air of resentment, this air of anger, this air of, ah, oh, you're holding me back. You know what some dads need to do? You know what some moms need to do? You know what some grandmoms need to do? And granddads need to do? They need to cut them loose. They need to let them go after it and learn for themselves. You got to start letting out some line so your kids can grow. So they can experience some failure on their own and then emerge stronger from it. Now, I'm sure the army didn't want to lose, right? We got guys. So we got to be real careful because we don't want these Philistines to win. What's Saul thinking? What's Eliab thinking? Come on, David, you ain't got it. Why don't we just sit tight, hold off, and get somebody else? They are not seeing the same thing that David is seeing. And I'm just telling you, when raising kids, they're seeing something that mom and dad isn't seeing. And sometimes it works the other way. But we've got to be willing to let out some line. I my prayer has been for the last year and a half to be able to have a church house full of young people and letting out some line, letting them do stuff. Are they ever going to do it as great as you would or as I would? Probably not. But who cares? 
I thought God's great. And you know what David knows? He knows that God is great. I'm sure Saul's concerned. I'm sure Eliab is concerned. And I'm sure the concerns are worthy of getting a hearing. They have more life experience. They have more wisdom. They have more military experience. David, you tend sheep. Yeah, but I carry dumb cheese. <laughs> Come on, just let me go. Come on, please. Man, cut that kid loose. Let him go after it. All right. Oh. We're good on time. This is, this is good. This is good. Theodore Roosevelt. He was the 26th president. He was the youngest president at 42 years young. Theodore Roosevelt, his wife and his mother died on the same day. That's tough. That's rough. He had a real hard life as a rancher and he suffered with ill health. He became an advocate of the strenuous life. He was campaigning in Milwaukee one time and some wacko shot him in the chest. He lived. And after his recovery, he said, no man has had a happier life than I have led. A happier life in every way. You just got shot in the chest. I mean, there's a guy that's tuned into stuff you and I normally aren't tuned into. He wrote this, it's not the critic who counts. Not the man who points out how the strong man stumbles or where the doer of deeds could have done better, could have done them better. The credit belongs to the man who is actually in the arena. We got Iliabs in our lives and we have Saul's in our lives. Every single one of us to have a critic. The question I have for me, for you, are you in the fight? Maybe you're not fighting the same things I'm fighting. We all have different fights, right, personally? But each and every one of us, as, as, a, as a church family, if we're going to be a tight community of believers, we have to agree to be in the fight. The most important fight being the good fight. For souls. You gotta agree on that. The man who is actually in the arena. Then he goes on, whose face is marred by dust and sweat and blood, who strives valiantly, who errs, who comes short again and again, but there is no effort without error and shortcoming. But who does actually strive to do the deeds? Who knows great enthusiasms, the great devotions, who spends himself on a worthy cause? who at the best knows in the end the triumph of high achievement and who at the worst, if he fails, at least fails while daring greatly so that his place shall never be with those cold and timid souls who neither know victory nor defeat. Now, that's not Bible. It's not the Bible. But that, that's pretty good. That's pretty good. I think, I think it falls in line with some biblical principles. Let's be in the fight. Let's be really. Let's be willing to be a David and be used by God. We don't need fancy things. We got a perfectly functioning church house. It's all we need. We've got prayer benches. It's all we need. We've got God and His Word. And that's all we need. Well, I don't understand any of that, brother Jimmy. Our church is so small. It's been small, and all these other churches, you know. All right. Well, let's gripe and complain for the next year. Or maybe we can get on our knees and pray. Maybe we can knock on our neighbor's door with a Bible. Maybe we can call an old friend and say, hey, you want to get some tea? And pray with them. Read the Bible with them. Well, that's old-fashioned. Well, most of you are older than me. You can relate. <laughs> right? What's wrong with old-fashioned? If it works, keep doing it. If it don't work, then you know, get in with the new. Now, verse number 34. Verse number 34. And David said unto Saul, Thy servant kept his father's sheep. And there came a lion and a bear and took a lamb out of the flock. And I went after him and smote him and delivered it out of his mouth. And when he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and I smote him and I slew him. 
Thy servant slew both the lion and the bear, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be as one of them, seeing he hath defied the armies of the living God. David said, Moreover, the Lord that delivered me out of the paw of the lion and out of the paw of the bear, he will deliver me out of the hand of the Philistine. And Saul said unto David, Go, and the Lord be with you. Look, Saul, I can do more than tend to my dad's sheep. I can do more than just carry cheese. Here's what I've done. I've killed a bear and I've killed a lion. And if you think for a minute that that Philistine is going to defeat me, think again, Saul. He defied my God. When you have a world that's sick with sin and defies our God, you know what we do? We sit in our churches and we do nothing. That's American Christianity. And we think that, oh, we get so spiritual, we send somebody overseas to do something for God. Great! I'm all for it. What about America? Why are we afraid of all this stuff? Come on, some of you folks have grabbed your lions and slew your bears in your life. We need you to encourage some of these younger people to slay their bears and slay their lions and grow more into just being somebody that carries farm tools and farm feed. We can do this, church. We can do this. People are defying our God. That's why. This isn't about me. This isn't about Pastor Galt. This isn't about you. This isn't about those that would visit or not visit. It's supposed to be about God. Isn't it? Isn't that what our life is for? It's supposed to be for God. It takes nothing to join the crowd, but it takes everything to stand alone. You know what's been the problem in the nation of Israel? They just wouldn't obey God. They wouldn't obey God. They wouldn't obey God. We see that all throughout the Old Testament. David's wanting to obey God. That's what we need to do. All right. We better move along here. All right, verse number 38. Verse number 38. And Saul armed David with his armor, and he put on put a helmet of brass upon his head and armed him with a coat of mail. And David girded his sword upon his armor, and he essayed to go. Essayed means just examined or tested. That's what the word assayed means. We don't have to change the Bible. We just look the word up and we understand it. Every word of God is pure. For he had not proved it. And David said unto Saul, I cannot go with these, for I have not proved them. David put them off him. And he took his staff in his hand. Chose him five smooth stones out of the brook. He put them in a shepherd's bag, which he had. Even a script. And his sling was in his hand. And he drew near to the Philistine. David's using what he has. And the Philistine came on and drew near unto God. And the man that bare the shield went before him. Now, here's something interesting. Look, re read this verse again. See, everybody thinks the odds are against David. But read this verse again. Read it again. And the Philistines came on and drew near unto David, right? And the man that bare the shield went before him. Why? Is Goliath afraid? If he's some big bad tough guy, why won't he just go out there? He never stood a chance. I believe he's afraid. And when the Philistine looked out and David saw, he disdained him. For he was but a youth and ruddy and of a fair countenance. And the Philistine said unto David, Am I a dog? Goliath, he's full of pride, and he's insulted that they would send somebody like that out. That thou comest to me with staves. Huh. That's interesting. Because, back up a couple of verses, what does it say? David, it says, and he took his staff in his hand. 
Why is Goliath seeing that he's bringing staves? You know, that's the plural of staffs. I'm wondering if Goliath can't quite see right. It's clear the Bible says all he did was took a staff. Goliath is seeing staves. I don't think he's as big as bad as he he was made out to be. I think David knew that. I don't think he can see right. I don't think he can see what David even has. Why would he say staves when the Bible clearly said that David brought a staff, one of them? I mean, it's the plural of staff. It's curious. If nothing else, it's interesting. And the Philistines, and the Philistine cursed David by his God. People have always done this. It's not going to be any new news if someone does it now. And the Philistines said to David, Come to me, and I will give thy flesh unto the fowls of the air and to the beasts of the field. All right. David, uh, let's get verse 45. Before we get into that, the whole point of this, Goliath defies God. And he stands for anything and anybody and any religious system that would defy God. And David stands as a symbol for someone who will trust God. Verse number 45. Then said David to the Philistine, Thou comest to me with a sword and with a spear and with a shield, but I come to thee in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel whom thou hast defied. This day will the Lord deliver thee into mine hand, and I will smite thee and take thine head from thee. And I will give the carcasses of the host of the Philistines this day unto the fowls of the air and the wild beasts of the earth. That all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel. And all this assembly shall know that the Lord saveth not with sword and spear. For the battle is the Lord's and He will give you into our hands. Praise God. It, David knew it wasn't a physical battle. It was a spiritual battle. How are we going to win? It's not a physical fight. We're not Israel. We don't obey God and get physical blessings. We're New Testament Christians. We obey God and we get spiritual blessings. David knew it back then. It was a spiritual battle. He trusted in God. We need to know now this is a spiritual battle and we need to trust God. All right, we're going to close. We're going to wind down here. Ephesians 6. Keep your finger. We're going to close out in 1 Samuel, but get Ephesians 6. Two more passages of Scripture, and then I am done. I love being in the Bible. I love Ephesians 6. Bible says in verse number 10, very familiar passage of Scripture. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of His might, but on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the wiles of the devil, for we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this world, against, look at this type of wickedness, spiritual wickedness. In high places. Wherefore? Run and hide. No. Wherefore? Take unto you the whole armor of God, that ye may be able to withstand in the evil day. And having done all to stand, stand therefore, having your loins girt about with truth, and having on the breastplate of righteousness, and your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. And above all, take in a rock band and get some dancing girls and try to get some pretzels the clown in there. And then it's not what it says. We don't win the fight by putting on worldly trinkets. Taking the shield of faith wherewith ye shall be able to quench all the fiery darts of the wicked and take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, 
which is the Word of God. And I'm telling you, if people would just get back to the Word of God, I'm all. You want to have a puppet show for kids? Great, I'm all for it. it teaches them the Bible. You want to have a Sunday school for kids? That's not in the Bible. Sunday school isn't in the Bible, is it? If it teaches kids the Bible, I'm all for it. Midweek service isn't in the Bible. Did you know that? I hate to let all us Baptists know that, but that's not in the Bible. If it's going to teach people the Bible, then I'm all for it. <laughs> the Word of God. We get rid of the Word of God. What are we fighting with? Not spiritual equipment. Praying always with all prayer and supplication in the Spirit, watching thereunto with all preservation and supplication for all saints. And for me, that utterance may be given unto me that I may open my mouth boldly, make known the mystery of the Gospel for which I am an ambassador in bonds, that therein I may speak boldly as I ought to speak. Alright, I told you we're going to finish out. Back to 1 Samuel, verse 17. Let's finish it out. We are in verse number 48. We're going to read to verse number 53. You ready for this? Kids, this is good. It's time to fight. Yeah, buddy. Verse 48. It came to pass, and the Philistines arose. Came and drew nigh to meet David, and David hasted and ran toward the army to meet the Philistines. David put his hand in the bag, took thence a stone, and slang it. He did what a slinger does. He slang it, boy, and smote the Philistine in his forehead with the stopping power, they say, of a forty-four magnum. That the stone sunk into his forehead and he fell upon the face to the earth. Woo! So David prevailed over the Philistines with a sling and with a stone. Imagine that. Using what you got and just trusting God. And smote the Philistine and slew him. There was no sword in the hand of David. Verse 51, Therefore David ran, stood upon the Philistine, and took his sword, and drew it out of the sheath thereof, and slew him, and cut off his head therewith. Praise God! Enemies defeated! He's beheaded! Oh, you got to love it! And when the Philistines saw their champion was dead, what did they do? They fled! And the men of Israel of Judah rose and shouted, and pursued the Philistines, until thou came into the valley, into the gates of Ekron, and the wounded of the Philistines fell down by the way of Shariam, even unto Gath and unto Ekron. And the children of Israel returned from chasing after the Philistines and they spoiled their tents. And David, this is the best part. Kids, listen up. He took the head of the Philistine and brought it to Jerusalem, but he put it with his armor in his tent. Runs toward Goliath, takes a stone, Stops him, kills him. Philistines flee. Israelites shout for victory. He brings the head of Goliath back to Jerusalem. We need to be doers. We need to be able to step out in faith. Who would imagine David would be able to do that? Nobody on his army did. None of his brothers did. Saul, Saul didn't. But David knew. He was tuned into God. He trusted God. We shouldn't run from fear. We need to face our fear and go after it. Don't run from new challenges. Run to the new challenges. And in closing, David was never the underdog. Giants aren't as big as they seem to be. Don't underestimate God. Instead, just simply trust Him. Would you bow your head in prayer, please? Heavenly Father, thank You for Your Word. I hope it served to be an edification to the saints. It was a help to me to study this passage out. We ask You to be with us this week. Help us to apply what we've learned in a real way. Christ's name we do pray. Amen. Amen. We have a closing hymn, Brother Nathan. Number 118. Nearer to the heart of God. If you'd like to stand, you may. No reason you need to stand to sing. Lift up our voice. Nearer to the heart of God. Number 118.
Thanks a bunch for listening. For more information about Pilgrim Baptist Church, be sure to visit us online at pilgrimbaptist.church, where you can also send me a personal message or learn more about joining us for a church service. And remember, Christ is all.